Good morning, Lift Church. How's everybody today? Oh, come on, we can do better. What's up, Lift Church? How we doing today? Man, it's going to be a great day. It's already been a great day. I'm so excited to have each and every one of you here who's in the house. Thank you so much. You might have to push in a little bit, make room for some people who are coming in. And I also want to once again welcome everybody who is online. We are so honored to have you online with us, worshiping with us. And I've got a word for you today. We're starting a brand new series uh, this month called Watch What Happens Next. And my goal for this series is to get your faith jacked up and prepared for an Easter season that is quickly approaching. Come on, somebody excited. Spoiler alert, he's alive. If you know it, somebody shout, he's alive. He's alive. And so we're going to talk about a few different areas in the Gospels and in Jesus' ministry where Jesus might have had his back up against the wall or people expected him to do one thing, and then I'm going to need your help in this series. Go ahead and say that title out loud, then watch what happens next. Let me hear your best impression of it. Oh, it's going to be a good series. Come on. If I could, if I could get you all to cue that every time uh, through this series, that would be amazing. It feels, it feels good. Okay. Mark chapter 2. Let's look at Mark chapter 2 in, in our Bible. Now, I want to set up this uh, bit of Scripture for you because I, I don't know about you. I, I, I want to fully understand Scripture, and I want to help you fully understand it. Mark is um, an interesting writer. He is unique from the other gospel writers in this that his audience is the Gentiles. So he's not writing to Jews who know the word of God. He's writing to Gentiles who would have been just people of the world, people who didn't know much about Jesus. And they certainly didn't know much about Judaism or even the Old Testament. He's writing to people who are newer. They might have false gods. They may have no gods. And so he, he starts out his gospel talking about the authority of Jesus Christ. And in the second chapter, first story of the second chapter, he makes sure to include this bit right here that probably blew some Gentiles' minds. And the Bible says this, starting in verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, Several days later, by the way, Capernaum was Jesus' hometown. This is where he rolled. I got to go to it in Israel when they opened it back up. I can't wait to lead another trip if you'd like to come with us. It's going to be awesome. But I have been to this place they are talking about. It is historically uh, um, correct and preserved, and it's pretty amazing. When Jesus returned to his hometown, Capernaum, several days later... The news spread quickly that Jesus was back home. Someone say, Jesus is in the house. That's how the New King James Version puts it, and I like that part better, right? How, how many know that when Jesus is in the house, something exciting is about to happen? Something amazing is going to happen. Something supernatural is going to happen, and I'm thankful when Jesus is in the house. And it says in verse 2, Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. That sounds like a common problem in Jesus' ministry. It happened even at his birth that there was no more room. Oh, but watch what happens next. Listen, it says that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man 
on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they got up on the roof and they dug a hole through the roof above his head. That, that building's going to need a fixer-upper afterward. Chip and Joanne is going to need help out somewhere. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. This is the point where I need you to eagerly t- t- uh, touch your shoulders, uh, uh, your neighbor's shoulder and say, watch what happens next. Yeah, I'm going to need you to help me preach today. <laughs> Some of y'all touching your own shoulder. What, what, is, what does he want me to do? Okay. Powerful next three words. Seeing their faith. Seeing their faith. Uh-huh. I think there's something in that. In fact, the Amplified Bible, if you were to go deeper and study the Greek, what he's trying to say is seeing an active faith. Like, not a passive faith that uh, could be missed. I'm talking about seeing it, a, a tangible, I can see it on you. It's, a, it's an engaged type faith. It's a visible type faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus then said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, How dare he? What authority does he have? Who, why, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to tell him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk on out of here. So just to prove to you that, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. This is the third time in just two chapters that, that, that this gospel writer, that Mark wants the Gentiles to know, if you've served another God or if you've been agnostic thinking there is no God, let me tell you the audacity of the authority that this man carried. He says authority over and over again just to help you understand. If you're one of those religious skeptics who are like, who the heck are you? Let me tell you what authority. Authority he has. Someone say authority. Jesus says, I have the authority to forgive sins on earth. And just to prove that, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I think it was probably a little bit more nonchalant. Like, what mattered most is forgiving of sins, but just to prove you, get up. Watch. Y'all gonna question me? Watch. Get up. And it says that the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. I want to preach a message called, watch what happens next when the room is full. When the room is full. Pray with me, God. I pray right now that you would move in this place. The room's full. The, the, the places people are online right now, their room is getting full of faith right now. And I pray that you would speak to us in a way that we need to hear you, receive your message, and do your work. In Jesus' name I pray. And anyone who agrees with that can say, Amen. Amen. When I look at this story, there's five types of people in this passage. 
there are, there, there, there are just people who are there as spectators. They're there to check things out. There are people who are skeptics. They're there to question everything. There are disciples here who followed Jesus to this place. There are servants here who are willing to carry paralyzed people. And there are people who are sidelined. I wanted a bunch of S's up in there. You see what I did? I'm a preacher, okay? And so, and disciples has an S sound in it, so it still works, okay? Work with me here. Work with me here. There's spectators, there's skeptics, there's disciples, there's servants, there's the sideline, there's people, uh, uh, all kinds. And I wonder which you are today. I know that in every time the church meets, I know that in every time the Bible is opened, that there are some here today who are spectators, you, you, you came to watch. You, you want to know what all the hype's about? You've heard that maybe I need to be at this church. Maybe you didn't even want to come. You were forced to come. And so you are here just passively doing your time. I've been there before. I've done it a number of times. And so you're not expecting very much today. In fact, what you are expecting is can we get out on time? <laughs> you are expecting to not participate or be called into the center of the story. I don't want to do very much. I just want to see what's going on. If Jesus is going to do anything, I want to be close enough to see it, but far enough not to get engaged. I don't want to be in the middle of it. I don't want to participate. I just want to watch from a safe distance. I've been there before. Then there are skeptics in the room. The Bible calls them religious leaders. And they, they are not there in eager anticipation of Jesus' ministry. They are there to question absolutely everything. And there are skeptics in the room who care more about Bible accuracy than Jesus' expectancy. I could care less if Jesus moves as long as everything is accurate and on the point. And maybe you have fallen into this trap because I have been in environments and faith environments and church environments where I was questioning things more than I was looking with expectancy of what Jesus wanted to do. And so your skepticism has replaced the love of Jesus. And so you become an expert on the Bible passage. You've heard it before, you've heard it preached before, and you don't think it can be preached any better. And so you've immediately turned off this thing. You are now in the defense mode. You are now in the mode of questioning everything. You critique the ministry. You think, why this house? Why does this place have to be full? Why not my own ministry? Why this one? And, and, and why these leaders? Why these times? Why this? Why that? You start to critique the crowd. Who is she to be here? I know what she did. How can they come here? And you critique who's not here. You know they should be here. And they should be listening to this. You critique who's on the stage. I can't believe they let them sing. I can't believe they, they would do this. And you start, start thinking, come on. You, you start judging people. I can't believe she'd wear that. I can't believe he sounds like that. Do you know who they are off the stage? Don't you know they're sinners? They're immoral? They're prostitutes? Come on, don't you know? If this church were anything good, you'd know the riffraff you allowed to be around close to you. There were skeptics in the room. There were also disciples in the room. 
Now, these are the ones who love Jesus. They've followed him everywhere. They've heard this teaching before, and they are eagerly excited to hear the same teaching again. They're just honored that they get to be at the feet of Jesus. They're just honored that they get to be close again. They're honored that they get to sharpen their saw all the time at the master's feet. And so they remain eager at each opportunity they've got to be in the same room as Jesus. They're honored to learn. Then there are servants. Servants are not just disciples honored to learn, but there's disciples who start sweeping the room for who can't get to them. How could I make this environment any better for some of the people who haven't even found space in the room yet? They're, they're, they're looking around saying, I've got this teaching and I can't wait to hear it again, but I could hear this teaching while I'm actually doing something to serve somebody who's hurt, someone who can't get close enough to Jesus. I'm going to go find somebody who can't find space in the house, and I'm going to make it my personal responsibility and ambition to make sure that they feel seen in the house, that they feel special in the house, that they realize they have a place in the house. And so there are some servants who are always asking themselves, who cannot get to Jesus, and what could I do? do about it they, they, they might be they might be thinking about little children thinking they can't understand this message and they don't know it so I'm gonna I'm gonna break down this message onto a child's level so that the child can receive faith they might be thinking there are people with special needs children and I'm gonna minister to the child or to the family so that the family doesn't feel like a paralyzed person outside they can come inside they can receive the message of Jesus Christ they can receive the ministry of Jesus Christ they might be a greeter who sees some grumpy people pulling up because it's a little bit early for some and some of us just fought on the way here and we're trying to fake it and we're just like no we did not we did not fight we did not fight and all you need is a greeter who's in that parking lot going what's up high five and now all of a sudden my fake smiles turned into an authentic smile because I'm I'm connecting with some people who are helping me get my joy back helping me focus back in I'm talking about some musicians or media techs who will pave a way to Jesus's presence in worship can we give our dream team a shout of praise today It's a group of servants say it's not just enough to be in the room. I'm looking for the people who need to be in the room so that we can both be in the room. And then there's a fifth type of person. There's the sideline. There's the people who come feeling paralyzed. And you know you've heard that Jesus' ministry might do a wonder for me, but you might be sitting outside thinking, could this even work? I'm too far gone. My marriage is too jacked up. My, 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 my health is too dire. Uh, my strength is sapped. I, I have nothing left. I've got very little to offer. I'm not sure if he can even help me. But somebody told me that he's in this house and I'm getting near this house. But I'm not sure if he could do something with me because there's no room in this house. This room is filled with a whole bunch of healthy people, and I'm sidelined on the outside. I don't even know if there's space for me. I don't know if there's space in the people's hearts. I don't know if there's space in the people's, uh, 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 in the seats next to you. I'm sidelined. 
My, my addiction is unbreakable. My mental health is way too distressed. My lot in life is bleak. I feel like an outsider. And I just want to tell every one of these five, welcome home. Welcome home. You are welcome here. We are all in a different place of our journey. But I want to let you know that God doesn't leave you the way you came in here. You are accepted the way you came in here. But he does not leave us the way we came in here as indicative of the paralyzed man. Some of y'all are going to get up, get off of your mat, and walk on out of here. Somebody say, let's walk. Somebody say, let's walk. A couple Fridays ago, my wife and I wanted to invest in our oldest daughter, and she's, she's, I believe she's got an anointing in worship, and so many people in this house have anointings, and so many people are gifted, and I felt like the Lord spoke to my wife and I and said, come on, we need to steward that, we need to steward that well, and so um, she's always been blessed by the worship in this house, but I was like, hey, my wife and I said, we're going to a worship night two hours away, a, a, a place that's, that's even a little bit further along, and we're just going to put her in the middle of that and see what God wants to do, and we were, we were in Baltimore at a worship night, and it was amazing, and things were happening, and, and, and the service, come on, this is a believer's service. It, it goes two and a half hours long. How many of y'all not scared about a two, hour, two and a half hour service? How many of y'all are scared right now going, this one ain't going to be two and a half, right? <laughs> we got about 30 minutes into it, and I had a moment with God where I said, God, this is good. This is good soil. Everything around me is good, but I'm not getting mine right now. I want to feel you like I've felt you before. I want those goosebumps. I, I, I want to feel like I have been with Jesus today, and I'm seeing other people who have been with Jesus, and I felt like the Holy Spirit convicted me. The Holy Spirit said, it's because you're burdened for nobody. And he said, if this were Lift Church... How many people would you be burdened for? And I was like, oh, if I was the lead pastor, I'd be burdened for every story in this room. It's like, you stand here unburdened today. Therefore, you stand here selfish today. I want mine. Cater to me. Take care of me. But I've got no burden for the people next to me. See, at times in that first 30 minutes, I became a spectator. Wow, look how many people are here. House is thinking full. I didn't know if they filled it up. They filled it up and some. Look at all these people here. At times, I became a skeptic. Why the heck are you going to put that light in my face, light man? Some of y'all have thought that before. <laughs> hey, light man. Can't worship Jesus with a bright light in my eye as if Jesus didn't come with bright lights. Anyway, I'm sorry. trying to do communion. The light's setting me back. I got a suntan after it. Come on. Being a skeptic all up in the house questioning things. Why are you going to do communion like that? How are you, how are you going to do it like this? And, and, and I, I, I realize I'm just a spectator. I'm just a skeptic. But the moment God convicted me and I became a servant, someone who was burdened, I wasn't authorized to serve in that house, but ain't nobody going to stop me from interceding from other people in this house. And nothing can stop you too. And I just began praying for other people. And it's at the moment I got burdened for somebody other than myself that the ministry of Jesus began to flow in my life too. 
God challenged me. You got good seats. You're up at the front. By the way, the front's the anointed seats. No, come on. <laughs> you got good seats. And I felt like God convicted me. We, we can't waste your place with faithless space. We can't waste your place with faithless space. I need you to get burdened with some faith up in this house. They even had an altar call at the end, and we saw some people in front of us who just nonchalantly like, yeah, I'll respond to that altar call. I'll go up there. I mean, they were more interested on, girl, how my dress look? Because I'm about to be in front of people. I might be on the camera, right, right? That's the skeptic mode. More, more, more thinking about how do I look than I need to get to Jesus. And there were people at the back who desperately needed to get to Jesus. And I thought about how sometimes we can fill up the ministry of Jesus' house just being a spectator, skeptic, maybe even a disciple. But it was the servants who were like, we need to make way. There's some paralyzed people up in here. And they need to get into the middle. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, you've got to get a burden for somebody else and where they are. And when you do, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Tell your neighbor, get a burden. Get a burden. If the room is full but you are not. If the room is full, but you are not, it might be time to get a burden. You might, you might start thinking, these people around me are full. I see God is indicatively moving around this place. I see active faith in them, but my faith is just passive at the moment. It might be time if you stand in a building like this and God's moving, but you feel nothing's happening in your house, it might be time to get a burden. Somebody say, get a burden. There are three ways to get a burden back. Three ways to get a burden back. Number one is to change your mindset. You've got to change your mindset. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is written by Paul. He wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. He made an incredible impact on Christianity. We're still talking about him today. One of the greatest apostles of all time. Put that scripture up there. It says, what is the secret to Paul's effectiveness? It says this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. In other words, if you don't have a burden, then I invite you to take on my burden. Because I've got a daily burden for the crippled and the paralyzed in our city, the ones who are far from Jesus, who need the redemptive power and love of God in their life. Come on, someone say, get a burden. I've got a daily burden. You want to know what makes me effective in ministry, Paul is saying? i got a daily burden. It's not a burden when I'm conveniently burdened. It's a burden all the time. There are probably some Mondays where I don't feel like being burdened. I just want to go make a tent. He was a tent maker, by the way. I just want to go make a tent, and I just want to go vent about some sheep in the house. But I've got a daily burden that the tent don't matter as much. It's the people who need to get to Jesus that are constantly burdening my life. When you discover you're the spectator or the skeptic, choose to change. Someone say, choose to change. Again, in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, Jesus seeing their faith. In other words, seeing the faith of the servants 
caused him to move for the sidelines. It wasn't even the faith of the sidelines. In fact, I think the sidelines sometimes need to borrow the faith of the servants. The servants are the ones who are like, that's okay. I don't care what kind of issue you came in with. If I could just get you into the house. If I could just get you into the elders praying for you. If I can just get you into the ministry of Jesus' ministry. Come on. If I could just get some prayer. If I could just get the word spoken over you. I don't care what kind of situation you came in here with. If I can just get you there, the servants had more faith than the sideline did. I wonder today if there's some of us here who God would move on the person next to you all because of the active faith you have today. Where if it were up to you, God would say, I don't know if they're there yet, but because of her, I will do it right here. Because of him, I will do it right here. It reminds me one time, Abraham talking to a bunch of angels. And, and, and the angel said, we're going to take out Sodom and Gomorrah. There, there, there is no one worthy. And, and he says, if there was just 50 good people there, would, would, you, would, you, would you withhold punishment? Yeah, heck yeah, I would. What if there were 40? What if there were 30? What if there were 20? What if there were 10? I think, check me, some of the skeptics who want to check my biblical accuracy, I think it got down to five. What if there were five? And God was saying... If I find even a mustard-sized seed of faith up in that room, I'll spare all of them. And so I'm hoping that God will find in some of us not just a, I came because I used to be that way in church when I grew up. It was, how long does it last? Get me out of here, and do I get a check next to my name in heaven that I attended church, okay? All right, I did it. God, you saw me. I'm cool. We cool. Until I met the Savior who died on a cross to save me from my sins. Now Sunday is my favorite day of the week. If that's you too, go ahead and testify right now. It was the faith of the burdened doing whatever you can that moves Jesus to do what only he can. Let me say that again. It was the faith of the burdened doing only what you can that moves Jesus to do only what he can. Sometimes I wonder if he's waiting on us to move. Sometimes I wonder if he's waiting on us to get burdened with some faith. In fact, there was a group of people who went to Belize on a missions trip. One of them was so burdened to share what God had on their heart that they fought through sickness. This is Kenton's testimony. We'll tell you more about the Belize trip, but here's just one story from that trip this week. to share a little bit with you about some of our experiences here in Belize, specifically something that happened to me personally. I woke up early Thursday morning with a fever and was not feeling well at all. And I spent most of the day not feeling well. And I was supposed to preach on Thursday evening. And the team gathered around me and just prayed over me. And I was determined that I was gonna follow through on the message that God had given me to preach that night. And I spent most of the day feeling pretty awful. But 
through the prayers of the team and the power of God, I was able to share the message that I had and during my message, God just showed up. I ended up going completely off script on my notes because God was leading me somewhere else to share part of my testimony. And it was amazing to see God work. And I'm just so thankful that he gave me the strength to be able to push through that while I was up front speaking. I didn't feel sick at all. And it was just amazing to be able to have the strength to push through that, to deliver the message that God gave and watch God just show up and do what God does. He moved in a mighty way in that service and touched our lives immensely and touched the lives of the people there. So I'm forever humbled and grateful to be a part of what God was doing there. Come on, give it up for God. We're so grateful for a team of people who went sharing the love of Jesus. Can I just say this, that sometimes when you're the servant, you can think that you're the inconvenienced one. Why am I on the outside of the room while all of them get ministry? Why am I, why am I Martha while Mary's having her moment? You know, why, well, well, I'm back here in the children's ministry and I'm missing the, the, the move of God happening there. Can I tell you that the servants are the ones who became the center of the story? The servants were the ones who became the heroes of the story. And so sometimes when you begin to serve, yes, you might be a little bit inconvenienced, but God starts saying, I can use your faith to touch a sidelined person's life. Can I get an amen? When Jesus is in the room and looks at you, will he see faith galore or a spectator? Will he see faith galore? Come on, some of y'all, you tried too hard on that one. That's okay, moving right along. Number two. Do not include that one in the second experience. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Number two, invite a friend. How do I get my burden back? Number two, invite a friend. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, it says, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses just one of them, what, what person among you won't leave your place of familiarity, won't leave your comfort spot, won't leave your normal place of ministry, won't get out of the box a little bit, won't, won't say, hey, 99 is good enough. We, we, what one of you would go, I've got five kids, missing one of them, four is good enough. Four is good enough. What one of you would not say, there's one missing, there's one missing. And I, know, I know this is inconvenient on the 99. In fact, I'm seeing a few of y'all crane your neck right now, and you're like, this is a really inconvenient spot to preach from, Pastor Drew. This is, this is not very helpful. I'm having to turn around. I'm having to shift. I'm having to be personally inconvenienced. But Jesus is up here going, I'm sorry for the momentary inconvenience. I'm just looking for my lost one wherever, wherever I can find them, wherever I can find them. Y'all have y'all's 99 thing going on, but which one won't do that? And upon finally finding them, which one won't say, there it is. This isn't a live sheep. I didn't know how, how loud it would be. And I wanted to be convenient, but I Googled it, and the average sheep is 80 to 100 pounds, and this is only 40. So which... Which shepherd, which person wouldn't say, gosh, this is inconvenient. This is really inconvenient. In fact, there's a part of me that just wants to drag you back to the house. Where you been? Why, why are you hiding? 
Well, come on, man. Stick with the rest. There's a part of me that wants to leash it and drag it. Which one won't? Put it on his shoulders. And look, I'm dropping pellets. That sheep will drop pellets from your back, too. <laughs> it gets all messy. And listen, this is so inconvenient. This is so difficult. Maybe I need some help, but no, 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 no. If, 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 if that person will do it. Which one of you won't mess up your microphone? Mess up your, mes your message. Mess up your ministry and your flow. To get a little bit dirty. To be a little bit inconvenient. To be a little bit out of breath. <laughs> Got to get my workout program going again. Which one of you won't say, man, they messed up my shirt? Their blood is getting all over my clothes. It's so inconvenient. This is where I want to be. But which one of you won't go get them and carry them back with the fold into the house of God? Can I get an amen while I catch my breath? See, some of us got to get dirty again. Some of us got to get burdened again. Because you can be in the middle of a great ministry moment, 30 minutes go by, and you're like, I don't have goosebumps. And God's saying, it's because you're not burdened for anybody right now. You're only thinking about yourself. And I do love you, but I love a lot of people. And if you would get burdened to use what I've given you to touch them, not only will they be the center of the story, not only will Jesus' ministry be the center of the story, you're going to be included in the center of the story too. Don't go start and get narcissistic on me. You might be left on the roof, but you'll be an eye shot of seeing a miracle of all miracles. When the house is full, watch what happens next. And if you just know one lost person in your world, Make it your personal responsibility. Put that lost lamb on your shoulders and carry it back home. When's the last time you brought a lost lamb with you to church? When's the last time you searched at your job as if that lamb needed you to be the one to discover them? When's the last time you prayed for the one who's on God's heart to be placed on your heart too? When's the last time you cared about the crippled outside enough to be the one to bring them inside? See... When you're unburdened, you often are feeling purposeless. You're like, hey, nothing's wrong. I just don't feel very much purpose in life. Oh, but the moment you start getting a burden for someone else, I guarantee that's when you will discover your purpose. This is why God gave me breath. This is why God put me in that workplace. This is why God put me in this family. Oh, this family needs prayer. And that's why God put me in this family because I'm starting to get burdened for someone else to know Jesus the way I do. Guys, we got four weeks until Easter. Four weeks comes early this year. And, 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 and Easter is the easiest time of the year to invite someone who's far from God to your house, to God's house, and they will say yes. And so in your seat back pocket right now, or if you're in the front, it should be underneath your seat. I want each of you to take this out and hold it up real quick. 
There's a, there's a list of three names. If you got to go searching for that list, that's okay. That's the easiest search because we're about to go searching for sheep, right? So if it's lost in your pocket, it's there. Go ahead and get that out right now. Hold it up. Hold it up. And this is what I want to do is pray over it while we got this held up. Father, every lost sheep that's around and near me, would you put them on my heart? They're already on your heart. Will you put them on my heart? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And you have permission to ignore me for the next 15 seconds as you write down the people's names that God put on your heart. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray over them every day. I want you to get a burden for them. It is not on you, but what if you acted like it was on you for them to meet Jesus and be forgiven of their sins? Come on, that'll be the greatest day alive. It's the day that we have Easter together and you cheat. When I tell everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes, you got that side thing going on where you like. I, I know y'all cheating. I know y'all cheating. Because some of y'all are like, hey, I cheated. I looked. My friend I brought raised their hand and gave their life to Jesus today. Church is far more exciting when you're bringing crippled mans and lost lambs up into the house. Number three. How to get your burden back? Join our dream team. Mark 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So anyone in this house who says, I am a Christian, that word means follower of Christ. And if Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve, that means that my expiration date on serving does not come. I don't retire from this thing. As long as I'm breathing and I got breath, that means God's got a purpose for me. And there are moments and seasons of life where I might catch my breath because that last sheep was heavier than the last one. That was a heavier story. That was a heavier situation. That wasn't one of them 80-pound sheep. That was one of them 180-pound sheep. And I just got just carried that thing all the way home. And I might catch my breath. But then I don't say I'm done. I say, all right, show me another lost sheep. And let me go find them and carry them back home into the house. The heroes of Mark 2 were the servants, and your purpose goes beyond just attending. If you've been attending, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so honored. But God's ready for you to take your next step. And so sign up for our Grow Track. It is the best way to become a servant up in the house, to become a member up in the house. And when you got a burden back, watch what happens next. You lead a small group and people start growing closer to God. You teach a children's class and you learn more about the word while they learn more about the word. You join a serve team and you impact someone in our city with the same love of Jesus that you needed to be impacted with. You write a song that resonates with everybody in the house and they begin to lift up up Jesus higher because of that song they sing together. You find a lost lamb and you carry him into God's house. You go and you use your leadership to, 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 to recruit a team of four people who will help you carry a paralyzed man up onto a roof and make sure that they end up into the middle of the ministry. God wants to use you to make a difference too. And I want to pray over you today because when the room is full, got a lot of spectators and skeptics but if there's just one servant oh watch what happens next God give us your eyes 
forgive us your burdens. Help us to see what you see. It starts by seeing what you see in us. There's not a single person here under the sound of my voice or online who God says, they're just lucky to be saved. That's all I can do with them. No, he picked you. He chose you. You are his chosen, beloved son or daughter of the Most High King. He picked you for a reason. First step is to know you have value and he picked you. Second step is to realize there's more people out there like you. And God wants to use you. He wants to use your hands. He wants to use your heart. He wants to use your feet. He wants to use your mouth. He wants to use your eyes. He wants to use your care. Father, would you give us that kind of burden? It's never more than we can handle. But Father, you said to carry our own cross too. So Father, we will carry your cross wherever you want us to take it. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, if you're in this place and you feel like the Holy Spirit's given you a burden for someone, could you just testify real quick, just a quick hand up? Yeah, I, I got God's, God's showing me some things. I'm seeing hands like rain everywhere. I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what only you can do. And before I close out, with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, maybe you're here in this room and you feel like the paralyzed man. Maybe you're online and you feel crippled and a little bit on the outside and man did I want to get into the house but I couldn't get there for one reason or another. Maybe it was too full. Maybe you couldn't move. Maybe you were paralyzed by your own shame, your own regrets. Maybe you thought lightning would strike the moment you entered into a building and so you're just checking it out today or you barely made it into the building today. Can I tell you that Jesus is in the room too? And he cannot wait to meet you. He's not going to be disturbed or interrupted by you. It would be his pleasure to look you in the eyes today and say, your sins are forgiven. And so your soul knows it very well. He says, watch this. Watch how you're about to get up off of your mat. Stand up and walk out of here a new person. If you're in this place and you know, I need a fresh start and I'm coming to Jesus today. I'm giving him my life and I'm repenting of my sins. If that's you, would you throw your hand in the air real quick? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see hands all over this room. If you're online, write in the chat. That's me too and we want to connect with you. I saw hands everywhere and here's what I'm going to ask. Those who raised your hand, I'm going to lead you into a prayer repeating after me. And I can't make you believe it, but I can help you with the right words to say. So I'm going to ask everybody in the room to say it out loud with us. But if you raise your hand, would you believe every word you say? Come on, church. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. And I'm asking you to forgive me today. Because Jesus is the Son of God, I believe when he died on the cross, he died to give me a fresh start. I am forgiven. I am new. I am right with you. It's because of what you have done. Thank you, Jesus. Help me live for you and use my fresh start to honor you everywhere I go. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said amen and amen. Can we get excited for the people who gave their life to